Yeah, macker in the morning turns my week around. He picks me up when I feel down. Wait all week for macker on a Sunday morning. There's Aussies out there doing things, raising money, pulling strings, helping make a place we're really proud of. Launcestonians and Hobartians, and who's to say there isn't Martians beaming up Australia on Sunday mornings? My week starts with Macca on Sunday morning. Good morning and welcome to the program wherever you are around Australia, around the world. I went to the drought summit during the, uh, well not during the week, I went on Friday and uh, it was great. It was great. Met lots of people who I'd never met before, like most of the state premiers and uh, the prime. I met the Prime Minister before, but lots of people from all over Australia and I thought it was very productive and it was great. Um, the Prime Minister introduced it and then uh, away they went and he sat there. He stayed there all, all day and he was busily writing and taking notes from all sorts of people from the bomb and all over the place, made contributions. Uh, Barnaby Joyce was there, uh, Stephen Day, the uh, drought commissioner, um, uh, and all sorts of people. And it was very interesting because I can't sit still for five minutes, but <laughs> that was my problem at school. All the reports said Ian should pay more attention in class. Um <laughs> But I, I was sort of riveted. It was great. I thought it was a fantastic time. We've got uh, lots of emails. You'll meet some of those people that I met uh, on Friday. And uh, I'll tell you what happened. We were driving along on the way back from Canberra. And uh, this, all of a sudden, have you ever been doing that? You're on the left-hand lane. And then all of a sudden, this loud noise and a, and a motorcycle Troop went past. I think what I think they'll call them misfits. What was the name of them? Kel? Was it? Oh right, the outcast. Was it the castoffs? No, the outcasts. Yeah, they went. They had all their mocker on and everything, and <laughs> frightening. And it was I don't know. It was about ten or fifteen of them, and those big bikes, those big choppers, and yeah, there they went. The outcasts. I don't know where they're off to, but they're obviously. I felt a bit sad from being outcasts. You know, no one likes to be an outcast, do they? Uh, anyway, lots of things this morning and lots of emails. We'll share them with you and we'll talk to you. So we had a lovely call this morning. Um, we'll have had a couple. Timmy was in St Mary's. They've got a drought down there. That's in Tassie. Um, what was the name of the river he was on? It went through his property. The Breaker Day River. That's right, the Breaker Day River. And also Rabina was at Melbourne Airport. She's on her way to Canberra because her dad's got the 70th, Rexy. But um, she's from the Alice. Nawi Tuma Station she's working on at the moment with her husband and she's got a couple of boys. There you go, lovely, lovely stuff. Um, look, Wayne says, Wayne Barry says, with Remembrance Day approaching, I've just authored a great Aussie adventure true story with stunning parallels to Anzac Day and the Anzac spirit. 14 years to the moment before Gallipoli. History barely recorded, but with no detail, yet three gallantry awards were issued. It's taken five years to dig up the details. I'll send you a copy of the book. That'll be sufficient. But I require the address, please. And attention to details, says Wayne Barry. Boer War men and their unbelievable connection to Anzac Day. Uh, Phil Desperus says, Hi, Ian and Lee. As well-informed listeners to the ABC know, the new $50 note was released to the public on the 18th of October. I got a couple the other day when I went to the ATM. That's the other thing. Some of, the, some of these ATMs still charge money, $2 or $3 to get your money out. Isn't it amazing? When I was uh, younger... One of my jobs where I worked when I first started working, when I first left school or was at uni, I can't remember, um, was 
on the payroll, delivering the payroll, actually had a big wooden case full of money and everybody had their money in an envelope. Remember that? And it didn't cost you anything to get your pay. Now you get goes in the bank, so it costs you money to take it out. But, but and I used to walk around the streets um, with this other girl. Her name was Ruth. <laughs> and we had all this dough in this wooden case. And we were just walking the streets, going to various places to deliver the payroll. And we'd, you know, go in the office and put the case up in the thing, open the thing and call out, you know, Thompson, you know, so, uh, Locano, whatever. And then we'd just pack it up when we'd done those. And then off we'd go and walk up the street again. No armed guard, nothing. And it had thousands and thousands of dollars in it. Shows you how times have changed. Um, and that wasn't that long ago. Well, it was. It's was probably 30 years ago, but anyway. Um, anyway, the new $50 note's out on the 18th and will take some time to appear in general circulation on a regular basis. For those listeners who can't wait, there are plenty of examples for sale this weekend at the Money Expo. That's in, in Sydney at the Lower Town Hall. Everybody should be at a Money Expo. A rare $5 note from 2006 was recently cited. Sounds like a... Sounds like a rare bird or a little marsupial, isn't it? A note that should have been destroyed because it featured the serial number CH06000000. Notes with six zeros are not as a rule meant for general circulation. See you in Canberra. G'day, this is Maga. Hey, Tim Orlick speaking from St Mary, Tasmania. G'day, Tim. I'd just like to ring uh, Maga to say that I've been... Listening to you for many, many years. It's the first time that uh, I've rang. I reckon it will give my wife a surprise if she's laying home in bed. <laughs> what What are you doing, Tim, this morning? I'm going out round using lambs, Maker. Uh, we put the lambing back a bit this year because we've been in a uh, pretty serious drought here ourselves. Uh huh. Um, I've been on this property for 46 years as an employee, and it's the worst. Worst period of time that I've seen. There's a river that runs through the property, and it's only the second time in 46 years that I've seen the stop running. There you it's go. Running at the, yeah, it's running at the present. We've had a little bit of rain. Uh, I would class it that we've had a green drought uh, by saying that the grass is green, but there's no length. So, so and you where did you, you said you were near St Mary's, Tim? Is that right? That's correct. You come through there a few years ago. You was over at the golf club. Oh, is that where they had the soup? That's yes, uh, exactly uh, right. My God, I'll, we'll never forget that. Um, it was just fantastic. Were you there? No, no, I couldn't make. I think actually, I think it might have been raining then. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Well, see, a lot of uh, people would have heard that a lot of fodders come from Tassie over the ditch uh, to properties that are drought declared in, in, in on the mainland, but you're saying around where you live, it's dry, dry as a chip, or has been? Up in the Fingal Valley, it's, yeah, it's been, it's been very bad. Um, we've had to buy in grain and hay to, uh, to keep going what we've, what we've, you know, with the stock that we've got. But things are starting to look up. They really are, but... We're a lot better than a lot of other poor buggers, Ian. But, right. uh, you know, I'd, I'd just like to ring in. Like I said, I've been listening here for many, many years. That's the usual thing, to get out, turn the wireless on and, and listen to you. 
Well, Timmy, next time we'll down. I'll tell you what coming so you can let the ladies at the golf club. I think it was the CWA. They made we had there was about six pots. We couldn't believe it. There was pumpkin soup and and potato and leek and potato soup and ham and pea soup and and um, uh, the baglioni. What's that other stuff? The, uh, vegetable soup. There was all sorts of stuff. We went nuts. It was just fantastic. Well, that, that's good that a small town like this can make a lasting impression on a man like you that's travelled everywhere. <laughs> oh, fantastic, Timmy. Look, I hope you get some rain, mate. Uh, what's the name of the river that runs through your place? This is the Breaker Day. The Breaker Day River. Yep, that's there, it. There you go. All right, right. then, man. Good it's on you, Timmy. Say, to you, mate. Yes, Bye. Say good day to the wife. Right, I will do that. Right, then. Bye. See you, mate. Bye. Rabina. Is it Rabina? Yeah, good morning, Macca. How are you? Good. Where are you? The airport, I'm, Melbourne I'm airport. I'm currently at the Melbourne airport, yeah, but I've had a big travelling weekend and I thought I'd just call in and say good day. Good on you. I've um, come from a cattle station out of Alice Springs, called into Melbourne, and I'm heading to Canberra today. Oh, uh, what for? Um, my dad's 70th, actually. He's a long-time listener of yours. There you go. And I'm one of six kids and we're all getting together to wish him a happy birthday oh. today for his birthday lunch. We've... um. We've reproduced and made lots of kids between us, but just his children are getting together today. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> so how's things in the Alice? What do you do in the Alice, uh, Rubina? Uh, well, we've been on cattle stations, but at the moment we're a little bit transient. We've been putting in some um, water pipelines uh-huh. to spread some water out for the cattle. They've got plenty of water, but we just want to give them a bit more access to a bit more feed. There you go. And what's the name of the station? <laughs> uh, we've most recently been at Nawi Tuma. That's easy but, for you to say. Nawi Tuma. Nawi Tuma, yeah. But we've spent a bit of time out at Derwent Station and up at Epinara Station. Well, now tell me this. What? So you you travel, you work, you you and your husband, is it? Or, yeah, and we've got two boys. Yeah. They're eight and six, and we um, sometimes we stay put on a station for a while, but we also have a caravan, so we cruise around a bit. Gee, that's a good lot. So where's home? Uh, well, I grew up on the south coast of New South Wales in Bega. Uh-huh. And my hu- my husband grew up on the north coast, but we met in the territory, uh-huh. and we went over to the west coast, and kind of we ended up going over there to make babies, as it happened, <laughs> and then we ended up back in the territory. It kind of does that to you. I'll say, <clears throat> yeah, you, you must enjoy that very much. Yeah, it takes you back every single time. And having like I'm in the city now, just for a weekend, and it's really nice to get the contrast, but it's always nice to go back as well. What did the lady call it last week, Kel? She called it um. It's my, um, yeah, uh, she was living, where was she? She was out up, right up in the Gulf somewhere um, on a, on a, uh, in an isolated place and she said, but she went down to, I think she came from Melbourne, she, she said going back to Melbourne and being able to shop, it was, um, I'll, have to, I'll have to think of the word, but she said it was her, um, I can't remember, it doesn't matter, but uh, yeah, it was <coughs> n- nice to be able to get to, to Melbourne and do some shopping and stuff like yeah, that for a little while. It's a really nice contrast. The Waifs sing a great song about it. Um, it's called Take Me to Town, and they sing about someone's got to wear a dress around here. It can't all be dust and desert highways. <laughs> it's a brilliant song. <laughs> so, yeah, I was just talking to Brendan, who was out walking. Um, no, not Brendan. It was Bob in Berrigan, and he just, he was, yeah, no, Brendan it was. He was out walking his, uh, um, this morning, but he said, I uh, said, so what are you doing walking this morning? He said, oh, well, I've just got back from Italy, and I couldn't sleep, so um, I w- I went, do I, went, yeah. <laughs> I went. I went walking. Yeah. So you'll be uh, you going down to visit, and then back to the territory, eh? Yeah, we're back in the territory tomorrow. 
And it's hot up there, isn't it, at the moment? Yeah, and it's just started um, being storming a little bit, just just a little bit, starting to build up. So maybe it's a sign of good things to come for the wet. Yeah, well, let's hope. Let's hope there's uh, storms around, which is all you can re- really rely on this time of year, I think. You know, the storms yeah. and some get it and some don't. Yeah, and it's always a good bit of rain makes um, makes everybody happy, oh, <laughs> especially it, at the moment. Isn't it amazing the yeah. difference it makes? You can go into a town after they've had rain and everyone's happy and you can go there, you know, six months later when they haven't had rain and, and it's down at heel and there's a few shops for sale and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All the changes. What? Nice to chat, Macca. Yeah, you too, Rabina. What's your dad's name? Uh, Rex Herganen. Rex, he's, and where, yeah, does, where does he live? He lives in Bega and he's got a few cattle and he pokes around. He's been having a bit of trouble this morning pulling a couple of calves, but he'll, he'll drive up to Canberra to meet us all for lunch. I, I said to him, what are you doing for your birthday? Any chance you could get to Canberra? I want to take you out to lunch. He said, I always do as I'm told. You know that. <laughs> I said, no one's telling you anything. I'm inviting you out for lunch. <laughs> Good on yeah. you, Rabina. Great to talk. Love your show, Macca. We'll chat again. Good on you. I'll see you on okay. Nawi Nawi Tuma. How long will you be there for, do you reckon? Oh, no idea. No idea. <laughs> How long's a piece of string, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Good on All you. All right. Talk to you. Bye. See you. Bye. G'day. This is Macca. Yeah, g'day. No, no, from Rapper Forest, just north of Adelaide in South Australia. G'day, no. Yeah, it is. Beautiful morning. Yeah, so I had that. Uh, Jacob play, uh, he played that sound of that bird earlier. That was a great common grey wattle bird. They seem to make that strange sound this time of the year at about first light for you know fifteen minutes or so, and you don't hear it for the rest of the time. Yeah, and it was uh, interesting. Uh, Ian from Tungamar and in Benalla said it was a large honey eater, as you said, and also he said they get in a tree because it and they do the call because that's their tree at this time of the year. Um, it's be a a eucalypt or something, uh, did he say? And it's got blossom in it, and they just claim the tree and say, "This is my tree." That's basically what they're doing. Yeah, they do that with fruit too. They they got quite a wide vocabulary, but you only seem to hear that part of their song. Yeah, very early in the morning, there this time go. of the year. No, what yeah. do you do? In uh, stone fruit grower. Um, yeah, been family's been in the district growing fruit since about eighteen eighty. Oh, love it, love it, love it. Well, nectarines and stuff and apricots and bits and pieces? Yeah, mostly peaches. Fine, uh, nectarines tend to get a bit of rain occasionally and it cracks the skin and apricots are a bit hit and miss with the weather too. Yeah, peaches, I've got about 30-odd varieties and they're just... 30? 30 varieties of peaches? Yeah, well, that's out of the 70 I've tried and they reckon there's about 400 or so on the market, so yeah. Wow, that's not... Really? Yeah, well, that's what I'm told. I haven't counted them all. Gee, there you go, eh? Because, yeah. um, well, everybody loves it. This, that's why you love this time of year. Well, you know, Christmas and stuff like that, because stone fruit's lovely. Nectarines, I love nectarines. And Australian apricots, when they're grown, they're beautiful when you get them. And peaches, of course, yeah. Forty varieties you've got. God, help me. Yeah, I, I reckon apricots we grow are probably the best flavour I've ever tasted. But, yeah, um Always the issue. I used to supply the supermarkets back about 30 years ago and they, they dictate to you about what they want and you pick it so it'll pass the kick test so it can kick it across the road and back without it getting bruised. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're speed... <laughs> As the bloke said to me one morning about tomatoes, they're speed rated. Um, yeah. 
You laugh, but only Australians can laugh at something that's so serious because there's nothing nicer than a beautiful tomato or a beautiful apricot, Noel, and 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 when I've had them, I've been to South Australia to places, and people have given me where were we, Kel? Um, Loxton, I think. And the people who grow apricots came up and they gave us a couple of little bags of dried apricots. Ah, oh, just beautiful, mate. Just just a thing of beauty, Noel. Yeah, you get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a shame you can't supply it that way because the way it's handled through a supermarket with people handling it, it gets bruised and yeah. And you pick it greener and greener, and then it, as a consequence, it's got no flavour and. Just the way it goes. When do you start picking, Noel? Uh, about the end of November and go through to about Easter time. Um, we've been to a biodynamic since about 88. What does and, that uh, mean? Uh, biodynamics is a method of um, organic agriculture. Uh-huh. It's just slightly different to organics. They're pretty much the same thing. Um, and I, I market through a biodynamic marketing company in Melbourne and uh, organic wholesaler in Adelaide. Um, produce a lot less than we used to because we've raised a bunch of kids and they've left home and now it's just the wife and I home and it's uh, she's gone back teaching and I'm trying to grow fruit and it's, it seems to get more difficult every year with the problems of kangaroos and birds and drought and yeah. earwigs and you name it. Yeah. Earwigs. Always a challenge. I haven't seen an earwig for ages. Used to see them when I was kids, but I haven't seen one for ages. You've got lots of them, have you? Uh, they seem to be a bit less this year. Um, I don't know whether it's dry, but usually when you get some infestation or some bug, it takes a year or two or three for the ecology to sort them out. Yeah, you've got to resist the temptation to spray them, otherwise you wreck everything. Yeah, exactly. And you're in the Warabra Forest, is that right, Noel? Around yes, there? Yeah, that's correct. Well, yeah. I'll come and see you with a bit of luck. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Uh, hopefully before the... Oh, we've got your number, Noel. We know where you live. Um, yeah, that's my ball. But um, we'll uh, we'll um, yeah, I'll tr- hopefully get there before the end of the uh, growing season, so I can try one of your peaches. Yeah, it'd be good. Yeah, I've been listening to this show since it was Australia all over. I don't know when that was. Must be forty well, years it's, ago. It's still Australia all over, Nolly. It's still yeah. it's still um, Australia all over. So yeah, no, forty years. Yeah, probably no. Was it was it Colin? Yeah, Monroe, yeah, he was doing it, and Mike Broadhurst and uh, Alec Nickel and uh, Dibs Mather, and lots of people have done it. Uh, yeah, I reckon we're in the caravan at the back of Flinders one day, and he's done a story about a bloke that painted a picture of a rabbit burrow on the side of a rock with a chalk stone, and he walked past the next day, and there was stunned rabbits lying everywhere, so he thought this was the trick, but it was a way to catch them. I remember that. Good yeah, on you, Noel. Great to talk to you, mate. Good on you. Thanks, Mick. I'll see you. It's a pleasure. Bye. Uh, good day, this is Maka. Hello, Maka. This yeah. is Big Al calling from Chengdu in China. Big Al. Big Al from Palmerston ACT calling from Chengdu in China. And what are you... Sichuan province. Yeah, and what are you doing there, Al? Oh, I'm travelling around China. I'm visiting uh, Chinese friends. When they come to Australia, I look after them and uh, they're repaying the, repaying the favour. I see. So you said you're from Palmerston, is that right, in the, in the Territory? Oh, yeah, Palmerston ACT. Mm. Oh, ACT. And, uh, yeah, ACT. Right. Yeah. And um, i tell you what, I'd, uh, I'd kill for some clean air and a good coffee over here. <laughs> well, I can't, I can't help you, unfortunately. <laughs> but, yeah, that's what Australians <laughs> say when they go overseas. They'd kill for a good coffee. Uh, 
Oh, well, and clean, and clean air. Wow. Um, fantastic place. The people are lovely. The cities are huge. Like, they're so big you wouldn't believe this city's about 13 million people, I think. Um, and I'm travelling around on the fast train, which does about 300 k's an hour. Wow. There you go. What do you do in, in Palmerston, Al? Um, I'm, a, I'm a retired project scheduler in the construction business. And uh-huh. um, there's construction over here like you've never seen in your life. And there's there's, <laughs> there's, con- power, there's power trains for as far as you can see. <laughs> and well, well, I was just in Canberra, and I just there's construction there you wouldn't believe too. A uh, high rise, there so is. much, so much yeah, high rise it's along. Going off. Yeah, it's yeah. going off. It's going oh high rise, high rise is nothing in Canberra compared to this place. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll bet. There you go. So anyway, like I said, they're great people, wonderful country. A lot to see. The history is unbelievable in this joint. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and uh, how long have you been there, Al? Um, I've been here about three weeks. I've got another two weeks to go. Um, so I'm, I'm in Chengdu today. I'm heading to Xi'an where the entombed warriors are. I'm coming there on Tuesday. And then on uh, Friday I'll head to Beijing. And I've got a couple of weeks in Beijing and then I'll head home. And it's just I'm really a, a trip to catch up with friends, is it? Yeah, yeah. In, in the construction, in the construction industry. No, no. These people I'm staying with are in the IT business, they're in the software business. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, people from all walks of life. I just uh, through one one Chinese engineer that I worked with who started working with us about seven or eight years ago. I've, I've met all these other people, and we've just become good friends. They come to Australia, and I take them on road trips. And, uh, look after them. You know, we've been up to Uluru and done all up to Tasmania and up no. to Cairns and all over the joint. I feel for you, Al, because there's nothing worse than wanting a, a good cup of coffee or indeed a good cup of tea and not being able to get one, mate. Jeez, I mean. And there's no, there's no turmeric latte over here. <laughs> oh, come home straight away, please. <laughs> oh, Al. Anyway. The food's terrific. <laughs> well, at least that's something. Al, I'll bump into yeah. you in Palmerston. You can you can take me on a sightseeing. I couldn't believe Canberra. Um, I hadn't noticed it before because I, I go there, you know, once every three months or something. But it's a wonderful city. Yeah, it is. Best city. I've been to about twenty nine countries in the world, and I'll tell you what, I've been all over Australia and New Zealand. Canberra is the best place to live in the world that I've ever been. And you're not going to move to Chengdu uh, anytime soon. Uh, Chengdu anytime uh, soon, Al. Uh, only for some hot spicy food and my good friends. All right. Good on you, mate. Nice to talk. Okay. Thanks, Maka. See you. Bye. Bye. Uh, as I said, I went to the drought summit, um, and I was there, and I was sitting just. <laughs> you'll meet Ina uh, in a minute, um, but I was. I was sitting there, and you know, Bob Catter was sitting about two up from me, and during, I hear this mumbling, because everyone's quiet and watching, you know, the Prime Minister be talking, or whoever, um, the bomb making a presentation, and I could hear this, and here's Bob Catter, crouching down, because it was in the in the house, in old Parliament House, you know, and you've seen that in many, you know, films of Parliament, and he's, he's down, he's on the mobile, he's crouching, <laughs> and then, he'd be sitting up, and then... Ten minutes later, I hear this, and his Bob's down again. He didn't have his hat on, and he's down underneath making a phone call. He's under, it's like this. 
Unbelievable. But come and meet Ina. She's, she was lovely. Meet this lady. The drought summit's over. I'm talking to Ina Mullen, who's from Lifeline, but Ina didn't get a chance to speak because there's a lot of speakers. Ina, what were you going to say if you, if you had, had got a chance to speak? Oh, thank you, Ian. Lifeline's here to... We, we really want to remind people that our service is here to help mm. so, and to offer hope. Um, and people are most welcome whenever they're facing a trial to call 131114. We welcome the Prime Minister's focus on mental health and four of the Premiers that stood up today also talked about the importance of mental health. And from Lifeline's perspective, we've got a few areas that we would really like to um, offer assistance with and hope that some some resources can be put towards. Um, Firstly, it's gatekeeper training and it's about giving resilience to people in communities. So families, friends, publicans, people that work in the supermarkets, shop assistants, people in the community are the first people that can notice a change in behaviour. So if we can offer workshops to people in communities around drought-affected areas, then they can recognise the signs, see, see when someone in their life is struggling, and just ask, are you OK? Is there something I can do to help? And that just opens a whole conversation and then we can go, they can refer to services like Lifeline. A second thing is to do gatekeeper training for professionals that go out into rural properties, onto properties and talk to people. There are professionals like financial counsellors, people who might be mortgage brokers, people who uh, would be leasers of machinery, uh, salesmen, go out onto properties. And sometimes in really rural areas, they might be the only people that visit that property in a month or two months even. Um, So if we can train those people to recognise signs themselves so that they can firstly recognise the signs, respond appropriately, and then refer to the appropriate service, that will save lives. These conversations will save lives. Have you noticed more calls to Lifeline in in this drought time? Has that that happened? I mean, there are other places people can ring now because there's been an expansion of those sort of services. Yeah, we take almost one million contacts a year. It's it's difficult to say, and the the drought has been prolonged, so we can't exactly say, oh, it's definitely drought related um, but we are we are getting a lot of a lot of contacts and there are also a lot of because it's so many of our centres we have 40 centres across the country and 20 of them are in regional and rural areas um, and so a lot of our centres in those areas are working on the ground with people in communities so they're knowing they've, they see what is happening they feel what's happening they're living what is happening so yeah so definitely they know and we've also noticed things where people are actually coming into the centre and asking for that additional assistance and communities are also you know one of our one of our workers was saying you know you walk into the pub and people come up and say can I just have a quick chat so I mean it's happening it's happening so, and that's where we know this gatekeeper training is so important because people like publicans, it could be that someone comes to the pub more often than, than usual or it could be that someone isn't coming to the pub anymore. But either way, it's a change in behaviour. Let's check it out. I'm talking to Ina Mullen. She's from Lifeline. That's an interesting name. I had a... Well, I didn't have... My my mum had an auntie, Ina. Tell me about the uh, source of Ina. Where does that come from? Interesting name. Yeah, so Ina is my grandma's name. I was named after Ina Colenso. And um, she's from Scotland. Well, her family was from Scotland. She was she was Australian. It's funny, everywhere I go, I meet someone and they say, oh, if you were from Germany, your name would be Ina. And if you were from Indonesia, your name would be Ina, but it would mean mirror. And if you were from Bangladesh, your name would be Ina, but it would mean smile. And I say, well, actually, my name's from Scotland and it means John. Were you meant to be a boy? I, yeah, no, Ina's the feminine of Ian. Oh, well, there <laughs> and you go. Ian means John. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Look, good luck and nice to, nice to talk to you. I thought it was a great uh, gathering of people. I thought yeah. it was wonderful. It was wonderful and so great that people can, are willing to come together and travel all this way to Canberra to have this conversation and work out how we can best complement each other with service delivery. It's fantastic. Good on you, Anna. Nice to meet you. Thanks so much, Ian. I went to the drought summit during the week. Uh, if you just 
uh, got up and uh, I had a great time. I, it was great to meet and see people. Come and meet some of the people that I met. I'm at Old Parliament House talking to Tony Seabury. How are you, Tony? I'm uh, good. What do you do? Tell me. Well, I'm a farmer first, mm-hmm. man of the land, mm-hmm. but I'm also president of the Pastors and Graves Association of Western Australia, so that, that's my part-time job. There were so many speeches, I forget the detail of it, but were you speaking about dogs? And- Mac, I, I got to dogs. Resilience in drought and looking after yourself and, and, and being able to withstand what droughts do to you was a part of what I had to say, but look, wild dogs are a horrendous problem in the West. Uh, these things kill for fun, and they've destroyed our sheep industry in the in the partial area, and they're getting into the ag area, and we're getting a certain amount of, uh, of a following... We won't have this one until pastoralists are able to put sheep back on their stations. And until that happens, we're not winning, and that will be the measure. So how do you do that with fences or get rid of the dogs? Look, there's a whole different way. Well, you get rid of the dogs, mm. but there's no point in killing them in one place if they're coming out of a government-owned uh, property or a park uh, or through an unfenced area. So we've just got to fence it off, <laughs> fence it into cells, and then get the damn things out of each cell and incrementally just, just push them back until they're gone. Look, they're eating everything. They don't just eat sheep. They eat kangaroos. Echidnas. Every, everything that walks yeah. and breathes yeah. is a target for a dog. And they've taken out the bungaroos. They've taken everything out. So uh, we just need to get our state government to realise that success will be measured when the damn things are gone. Tony, tell me about yourself. Where do you live? I live in York. I've been there all my life. Uh, my great-grandfather actually started where I am. I'm, I'm a man of the land. I'm proud of it. I like being where I am, and if fortune shines on me, I'll die on the property. You love the land. I love the land, mate. I do. Absolutely. So, <laughs> If I was roaring across the paddock on a motorbike and I had a heart attack and I knew this was the end of it, that would be a grand way to go. Now, fizzing out in the hospital somewhere or an old people's home, that, that would be a nightmare. On the land, mate. On the land. <laughs> Yeah. And how's your season? But you've had a lot of rain over. Oh, the look, West, we're about, look, it's it's a roller coaster ride. Everyone says you're having a good one. Yeah, right. When it's over, I'll tell you we're having a good one. We had a good one until about the middle of September, and it, and it stopped raining for two weeks. We had a ripping frost that tore the guts out of our crop, and a record uh, dry period through September. Little bit at the end, so it ain't over till it's over. Did you enjoy this today? I did. Oh no, v- very much so. Look, having the people, the significant players in government and, and local government all over, and and the the prime minister here. Uh, it was a good meeting, and I think good, good will come out of it. The yeah. spirit was good. Yeah. Tony, nice to meet you. Mac, I'm my word, all the best. Good on you. G'day, Mac. It's Gary McGowan from Tasmania. How are you going? Good, thanks, guys. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm just doing a bit of a horse trip this morning. Uh, a mob of us are bringing cattle off a place called Robins Island, which is west of Smithton in Tasmania. We ride across at low tide. Uh-huh. And pick up a mob and bring them back to their second farm on on the Tassie side. And it's uh, low tide. Yep, low tide. We've got two or three channels to go through, and um, yeah, everything sort of depends on timing and whatever and how things go with the cattle. But yeah, usually there's probably six or eight horsemen, mm. and we bring them uh, mainly wagyu operation. Oh wow, and, that's and, expensive, uh, isn't it? It is, yeah, but uh, yeah, a really pretty place to go and see. And um, anyone that loves anything to do with horses, look, it's it's heaven. Yeah. So it, I just thought, yeah. What's the name of your horse you're on, Gaz? Um, Fidel is the name of the horse I'm on. He's a purebred Arab. Yeah. Yes. Fidel, and, eh? And we've got a mixture of horses. There's even down to part Red Clydesdale and. Uh, uh, occasionally one of my friends brings a mule, a big mule. He's about over 16 hands and an amazing thing to watch. Oh, they're lovely things. They're lovely things, horses. I, uh, yeah, 
That's what I'm going to do uh, one day, buy a farm and have a horse. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, yeah, don't leave it too late, mate. Oh, yeah, I've been riding for a lot of years and, you know, I'm sort of nearly getting to the end of my riding career. But anyway, I've had a few injuries and whatever. And, um, but I, even when I can't ride, I'll still have horses. There you go. All right. Um, lovely to talk to you, uh, Gaz. And yep. uh, I'll see you in Smithton sometime, eh? Yeah, no worries. You look us up and uh, I'm sure the Hammond family that own Robins Island would would love to perhaps give you a tour of the island. Good on you, Gaz. Good on you. Have a good day. Thanks, mate. Bye. Bye. Look, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I meant to bring you these people before, I met uh, Rob and Carol. Uh, come and meet them. I'm talking to Rob Parker, Parker, and, and Carol Parker. Carol Parker, that's right. Rob, tell me about the Australian knitting mills. Uh, it's, it's been going since 1898. In 1935, it had a thousand workers. The most I've employed for the last 40 years is 150. Now we're down to 10 people, and they're there at work every morning at five o'clock in the morning, wanting work. Where's the base? We've got one factory in Collingwood and two in Coburg, but the one in Collingwood may be closed because they're trying to force us out to build flats there. Carol pays $600 a week in land tax there to keep the factory going. I talk to people, we've talked about wool forever and the fact that we've lost all our mills and if you want anything spun or woven, it happens overseas. That's correct, Mm. yeah, everything is. Well, people come to us wanting us to do things for them, this new new generation, you know, the hippie generation. They don't understand that you can't get anything here anymore. My husband can't even get wool. We can't get any wool at all, nothing. 90% of the wool clip goes to China now and 3% goes to Korea where most of our wool that we use comes from, it's dearer from Korea but um, it's better quality than from China and the price of the raw wool back to us which is spun has gone from $28 to $50 in the last 12 months. So how do you stay in biz? We're very mean. We sleep in our truck, we go without. I sleep in the factory because I've got to look after it because I get broken into all the time. Robert sleeps over the other factory and we go without but we don't charge it an arm and a leg and we make everything a lot of these people that are here got the brand names but they don't make anything here how did you get into the business rob how did this start i started at pacific dunlop which and they they took me through every factory maybe 20 different types of products from bras to briefs to socks everywhere and i had really high discipline training I uh, must be on the floor at 7 o'clock every morning and I wasn't allowed off the floor. Working with hundreds of people like Pacific Dunlop were very big in the 60s and they took me to every factory and they gave me really disciplined training, didn't they, Carol? We have made everything from Goodfellows uniforms. We used to make all Peter Brock's stuff, BF Goodridge, West End. We used to make motorbike tops. We made briefs. We've made leotards. We've made everything. But people think they come along to the shows because we have them in boxes and that. They think, oh, you make them all overseas. No, we don't. We make everything. We make the whole lot. And we work hard at it, but we go without. And you like the lifestyle? It must be um, hard. The lifestyle. You have to think about that, yeah. No, no, the lifestyle's good. You know, Robert worries about me in Collingwood because I actually sleep near the back door. I've got electric fence on the back. I have bells that go through right through the front. Tripwise. Tripwise. Trip People think I'm nuts, but it's the only way. People, they take our coats. We've had, We've had 25 robberies, and what happens? One year, Robert Noah at Sydney's show, Robert made all the coats. So we decided, well, we'll mix in with the Collingwood community. We went there and all the security, they all had our coats on that were stolen out of our factory. 
and we couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> this is the way we live. Robert lives in one factory and I live in the other. And, every and you meet up on the road. One day a lady rang up about a man sitting on a mountain in the freezing cold having his breakfast in a big truck with woolen mills. That was him. <laughs> and this is what he does. We don't live a lavish life and this is well, what... Well, you can't, obviously. No. Carol and Rob, uh, good luck. And it's nice to meet you here in Bendigo. Well, it's very nice to meet you and I... I think you should eat more. <laughs> hey, g'day, Maka. G'day. Shannon the, Shannon the Butcher here. How are you going? Shannon the Butcher. G'day. Where are you, Shannon? Uh, I'm based in Sydney. I, I work at the Meat Boutique at Ride. Uh-huh. But, but next weekend, we've got a large barbecue festival at Moore Park, Sydney. Right. called the Kingsford Invitational. And um, we, we've called it the Barbecue Bailout. So we're raising money for buy a bail. All right. Yep. Um, in conjunction with the barbecue competition, we're also having the first ever state butchery challenge. Oh, right, yeah. So uh, up on stage, we'll have 20 of the best butchers from around Australia. From around Australia? Yep, we've got Victoria, we've got South Australia, we've got Queensland, New South Wales. I'm coming. When's it on? Uh, next Saturday. Uh, butchers are on Sunday. Right. 12, 12 o'clock to 4 o'clock. Free entry for everyone. Everyone's welcome. Uh, do- donations to the farmers. We'll have whip cracking, we'll have sheep dogs, we'll have cow milking. Um, oh, mate, that sounds great. That sounds... We're hoping to raise up to the 70000 Oh, you'll raise more than that. I reckon there'll be a huge crowd there. This is like a state of origin, really. Wouldn't... It is, and all the meat that the butchers are cutting up will mm. be will be on this. They'll do a display up, mm. and then we'll get a raffle it off to the crowd. Oh, that's a way to go, Shan. Um, um, so, Shannon, how long you've been a butcher? Yeah, all your life. How, how no, long? Yeah, I've been a, I've been a butcher now for about thirty six years. Uh huh. And I also dabble in a little bit of um, game meat harvesting. I, I do a bit of teaching in that. Now, so, are, are you? Um, you are uh, what is going to? I've forgotten what I was going to ask you now. Um, are you in the competition? Uh, no, I'm organising the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what so, do you have to? What do you have to do to win it? What's the winning butcher going to be like? What, what's he? Okay, so, he or so it's, actually, it's actually a teams event. So yeah. there'll be there'll be five butchers from each state, um, one at a time, up on stage, and they'll each have separate skills. All right. Um, we're bringing back a little bit of old school butchery where they're using the chopper and not the handsaw. Uh huh. And there'll also be four mystery challenges, which obviously I'm not going to tell you about. Yeah. Um, which will blow them away. <laughs> Gee, that'd really be, well. That'll be good. So it's on Saturday and Sunday, but the butchery thing's on Sunday. The butchery thing's on Sunday. Um, there's barbecue food stalls. Um, Black Bear Barbecue are hosting the event. Um, they do American low and slow barbecue, brisket, um, beef ribs. Fantastic. Shannon, tell me this. Who You organised this? Yes. And yes. so how did you get the butchers from, you know, from Brisbane and from uh, Victoria and Melbourne or whatever? How did you do um, I've got a pretty good network with butchers. I, I run an, another competent meat stock. Mm. Um, so I put it out there. I, I picked a team, a state captain, and, and they picked their own teams. <laughs> yeah. And each each state in the butchers are going to be raising over $2,500. Um, whoever raises the most gets a bonus point. And I, I know one state is already up to seven thousand dollars. Wow! So They're doing ra- raffles in their shops, um, promotions, and, and all that. So this will be in um, in uh, Moore Park in Sydney next weekend. Next weekend, I oh. hope to see you there. Oh yeah, I'll be there, mate. I'll be there for for sure, Shannon. Make sure you come and say good day. How's the price of lamb? And can I get some scrag ends of mutton? And do you know what they are? Scrag ends of mutton are the best part. <laughs> <laughs> and price of lamb at the moment is a little bit up there, um, but. Yeah, we've got to support our farmers and we've got to eat more meat. Yeah, exactly. That's my motto. <laughs> Good um, on you, Shannon. And, 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 and more and more butchers now, you know, get to know your local butcher. Exactly, exactly. 
if you're mates, if you're like a butcher, you're going to get the best cuts. Yeah, and 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 they're always not good with a compliment. So if the girls go in there, they always say, "Madam, you, I love your blue rinse or whatever it is." That's right, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Lovely talking to you, Maka. Good on you, Shannon. See you, See you next, next weekend. weekend. Yeah.